Hello, and welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 173. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. I am a board-certified family practitioner and a certified life and weight coach, and I use those two skill sets to help women reverse their type 2 diabetes, come off their meds, and live a naturally healthy life. So if that's what you're interested in, you are in the right place. I am in a different environment today and it could get brighter, but like, I'm just not sure how bright I want it to get because the sun gets a little wild. Anyway, I am in Louisiana this weekend with my eldest boy and his family for the Thanksgiving holiday. We're celebrating a little early. I'm super excited, but I wanted to get this podcast recorded. If you're watching on the live stream on YouTube, welcome. If you have any questions, put it in the comments. I will um, answer them. Even if it's not live, I try to do it live um, so that you have that answer. If you go back and listen to the replay, if you're listening on a um, podcast player, whether it be iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or whatever that might be, um, welcome. You're probably listening to this on Monday morning, and that's awesome too. But if you would please rate the podcast on your um, podcast player, when you rate the podcast, when you give a review for the podcast, whether it's a, a star rating or an actual review, when you do that, more people get access to this podcast, more people like the podcast algorithm puts it out to more people. So um, if you would please do that so that other people can get this help, especially if you're finding benefit from this podcast, that would be incredibly helpful. Um, before we get started, there is, I always want to say, this is something I've just started doing recently. So if you haven't, if you've stepped away from the podcast and are coming back to it, you may not have heard this, but if you are on medications for your type two diabetes, you need to be very careful about making the dietary modifications that I recommend in this podcast. The medications that your physician, your medical provider has started you on were due to, were in order to treat the foods you had been eating. So if you change the foods you have been eating, the meds may become too much and that can get very dangerous very quickly. It can lower your blood sugars very low to a dangerous level and it inhibits your body's natural ability to counteract that. So if you're making, if you're on meds and you're making these dietary changes, it can be dangerous. Please make sure that you have a very good connection and relationship with your provider. So you can call them and ask them what you need to do if your sugars are dropping low, when you're starting to see low blood sugars, what do I do in this situation? Ask them what they want you to do. How do you want your, how do they want you to adjust your medications so that you don't get sick? Cause you can get very sick if your blood sugars drop too low and you don't have anybody to call and ask that those questions of, and if they drop too low, you might go unconscious. So it's not like you'll even be able to do that. You'll end up in the emergency department and your family will be freaked out. And then everybody will tell you this idea is horrible. Stop doing that. Go back to eating what you were eating. I would offer that's not the right answer. Go back to eating what you were eating that made you sick, but make sure that you have a good relationship with your medical provider that they can guide you as you come off your medications, as you make these dietary changes and come off your medications. Of course, that's what I help women do in my group. If that's something you're interested in, send me a message, delane at delanemd.com. We will set up a time to um, get you on a consult and you can see how the program works and you can get signed up and get started on that. I help women do that. That's the nice thing about being a coach and being a physician. I get to merge both of those two skill sets to help people do this in a safe way. 
But if you are on medications, please, please, please understand that you need to be careful as you're making these changes that I recommend in the podcast. Um, upcoming events. So um, Monday, November 21st. So I'm recording this on a Friday. So that's next Monday. So if you're listening to this before, like, I don't know, mid-afternoon on Monday, probably two or three on Monday, the 21st, send me a message to Lane at Delane MD. If you are a woman who wants to hear the webinar or wants to be present for the webinar that's coming up that evening. Um, I think it's 4.30 or 5. I'm sorry, I don't have it right in front of me when it's scheduled for, but it's in the late afternoon, early evening. Um, and we're going to be talking about the three basic strategies that I teach to reverse type 2 diabetes. And again, guys, like there's some strategy in there. There's fasting, which maybe you haven't heard of, or you don't know how to do intermittent, or I'm sorry, nutritional ketosis. And maybe you don't know how to do that. But if you find that the issue is that you keep eating foods, even when you know they make you sick, that's going to be the money spot for this uh, webinar on Monday. I'm going to be talking about urges. I'm going to be talking about cravings. I'm going to be talking about what causes them. I'm going to be talking how to fix it. Okay. So, um, if you're interested in that, please send me a message, delane at delanemd.com, and I will get you registered. If you have Facebook or Instagram, send me a, uh, a direct message there or a message, you know, message me through Facebook Messenger. Um, I'm happy to get you signed up. Send me your email address. I'll send you the link for the webinar. You can pop on there and you can listen to it. Um, you can ask questions on that webinar. So if you, and even if you want like coaching, you can ask coaching questions, like we can coach on the webinar. So um, if you're interested in that, November 21st, late afternoon, I really want to say it's five o'clock uh, central time. Uh, if that's something you're interested in, we're going to be talking about the three strategies that I teach to reverse type two diabetes. And then we're also going to be talking about urges and cravings and desires. And it's so appropriate. I mean, like it's the Monday before Thanksgiving, for God's sake. And, you know, it's the holiday season. So all of these things, you know, you're going to become, we're all going to be facing the desire for the food as the holiday season approaches. So learning kind of what's causing that and how to remedy it, how to reconcile the goal that we have of reversing our diabetes with the urge and desire to eat those foods is going to be um, something that will serve you. And you're going to get a lot of opportunity to practice it over the holiday season. So um, if you're interested in that, let me know, Delane at Delane MD. If you are a gentleman and you want to hear the same webinar for, for the dudes out there, I will be having that a week later on November 28th. If you're interested in that, send me a message, delane at delanemd.com. I'll get you set up. Before we dive in, I do want to go over or at least um, read so that I can answer it. Um, and I, I did send, again, if you guys have any questions, if you're not sure how this works, if you're not sure what this X, Y, or Z means, if you have a question, send me a message. I am happy to answer any email. I will answer them. If you've sent me an email and I haven't answered them, please let me know. I will do my best to get that answered. Just resend it. I will do my best. I always answer these. I do it. Me, myself. So nobody answers them for me. I will send you a message and I will answer whatever your question is. But I will also put this on the podcast because if you have this question, chances are really good. Other people have the question too. And I need to make sure that I'm answering that. So you all have the information that you need to make this strategy work for you, right? To make these skills to reverse your type 2 diabetes work for you. So the question that I got in the or in the um, in my email was: I'm fasting breakfast and lunch for insulin resistance a couple of days a week. 
So I'm assuming that means that I'm skipping breakfast and lunch one to two times a week in order to reverse my insulin resistance or increase, like improve my insulin sensitivity. And that's the exact right answer, right? What we do to fix your type two diabetes is not focus on your blood sugars, but we focus on the insulin resistance because that is what fixes it. So the question, question number one, would drinking coffee with heavy cream and my fast, would it break my fast? And number two, or, or question one, a, does the coffee have to be black? And then there's a second question, um, that I want to get to. So first, usually one to two tablespoons of heavy whipping cream, and you can get that in the dairy section if you're not aware, will not break your fast. It adds a little satiety with the fat in the whipping cream or in the cream. And it's usually got enough, like it's got so few carbohydrates that it's not going to stimulate insulin production and break your fast. That's actually what breaks your fast is the stimulation of the insulin production, not necessarily the food. And why that's important to remember is if you're putting artificial sweeteners in anything, in your tea, in your coffee, a diet soda, whatever that is, that sweetness will cause your pancreas to make insulin and that breaks your fast. It's the insulin that breaks your fast, not the food. Okay. And of course, if you're eating like a cookie, you're going to have the food, the carbohydrate, the calorie. Yes. But again, your pancreas is going to produce insulin in response to that. That's going to break your fast. So coffee with one to two tablespoons of heavy whipping cream is usually fine. Does it have to be black? You know, I always jokingly say I like my coffee strong and black, just like my soul. I love saying that. I think it's hysterical, but no, it does not have to be black. It doesn't have to be black. Now, if you are doing a fast and using one to two tablespoons, say you're using two tablespoons of whipping cream in your coffee and you're doing your fast, and you find that you're not seeing your blood sugars ratchet down as consistently as you'd like, I'd make the recommendation that you skip the whipping cream for seven to 10 days and see if you don't see your blood sugars ratchet down more linearly, more quickly, more directly. Like you're starting to see it, oh, each day it's down four points, five points. If you're looking at four to five points day to day, it's usually not relevant, but four to five points over 10 days is very relevant. Okay. Four to five points a day over 10 days, that is a relevant ratcheting down, trending down of your blood sugars. Um, if you're just looking at Monday to Tuesday and you're like, oh, there's a five pound or a five point change in my fasting blood sugar, that's probably not relevant. But over time, if you consistently have that ratcheting down, that's what we want to see. Okay. So it may be one that you're responding to the carbohydrate that's in the cream and producing too much insulin. And sometimes we do have a very exaggerated insulin response. Maybe it's that, um, maybe it's two tablespoons is too much for your biology, but that's really how you're going to determine if the whipping cream, if the cream in your coffee is okay, is what happens for you over time. Try it without seven to 10 days watch your sugars, see what happens. That's how we do everything in my program. We make a change, we collect data for seven to 10 days, and then we decide, is this working? Is it not working? Do I need to do more? Do I need to do, can I do less? What is it? Can I add this? Can I add that? Meaning, can I add this skill? Can I add that skill? Not, can I add a certain, um, 
a certain med or a certain supplement. That's not usually what I'm talking about. Do I need to add exercise? Do I need to add stress management? Do I need to add more sleep? Do I need to add more fat? Do I need to add or take away more protein? Like, do I need to have less protein, less carbohydrates? Those are the things that we look at, but you have to do the thing, collect the data and then assess that data and make the evaluation. And that's what we learned to do in my program. So the second part of the question, I've never taken in coffee on a recent trip to the doctor. The doctor told me that three cups of coffee a day will help with my fatty liver, which showed up on my blood work and a recent CT scan. So question number two, a cup of coffee is four to five ounces of coffee. Like that's the vernacular, like the colloquial understanding of a cup of coffee, I guess, is four to five ounces of coffee. But a cup, of course, is eight ounces if you're being technical with it, right? So um, any idea what cup, how much, how many ounces is what we're asking I should be drinking three of per day. So my understanding of the literature, I've not seen the literature associating caffeine or coffee consumption. It's not caffeine, guys. It's coffee itself. Coffee consumption with fatty liver disease. But fatty liver disease is the effect of insulin resistance on the liver. So it makes tons of sense that if coffee helps blood sugar, which I have seen that data, I have seen that literature, I've read those studies, then that we know how you help blood sugar control is by fixing insulin resistance, right? So it is certainly not a far jump to say that something in coffee is helping with our insulin resistance. And it could just be that something in coffee is causing our blood sugars to drop. And when our blood sugars drop, we make less insulin. So the insulin resistance heals. And you're going to see that impact, of course, on the liver. So this all makes sense to me, although I have not seen that literature. So I don't really know how much coffee a day they're talking about. What I do know is the literature supporting coffee and blood sugars, the benefit of coffee on your blood sugar supports two to four, six to eight ounce cups of coffee a day. So you do the math there, that's somewhere between 12 and 32 ounces of coffee a day. So do it and see. Like I always kind of recommend two cups is probably where you want to start and where you're going to get the max benefit. Anything less than that amount of coffee, you miss out on the benefit of coffee on your insulin resistance or your blood sugars. Anything more than that, you increase, it's likely via epinephrine, via the stimulant effect of caffeine, you increase your body's blood sugar. Like you don't see the benefit because you're getting too much. So either you're missing out on the benefit or you're causing too much blood sugar, probably via, again, like epinephrine and the stimulant effect of caffeine. So somewhere in that middle zone, though, is where you need to be. So two to four cups of coffee, six to eight ounces is my understanding. I drink on the high end of that. My blood sugars, you know, my fasting blood sugars are very consistently right around 90, 85, 95. Sometimes they pop up to 100, but not typical, like I would say probably three readings a month, maybe, maybe two readings a month. I get in that 100, 105 range. The majority of them are somewhere hovering around 90, 85 to 95. Um, and I drink enough coffee, <laughs> probably, probably outside of that range of that 32 ounces. I'm not saying you should, and probably I shouldn't either but I do enjoy my coffee in the morning. So that is what the literature supports is that six to eight ounce cup, two to four of them a day 
gives you the max benefit of coffee. And again, it's not caffeine, it's the coffee. I don't know if it's something in the bean, I don't know what it is, um, but that gives you the benefit according to the literature. Lastly, uh, this writer, your podcast has done more for me than any other book or class I have read. Seeing that food hurts my body, seeing it as a poison and adding exercise and fasting to improve my insulin resistance says they go on to say, God bless you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and spreading the hope of reversing and not medicating my illness. Such a great thing. That is exactly what this podcast is dedicated to. It's dedicated to helping people understand that you do not have to be sick with type two diabetes, that you can do, you have so much agency over this illness. Remember type two diabetes is an issue of the food that we eat, not of our genetics. I know everybody wants to say, but it's in my family. I'm like, yeah, but our love for apple pie and pizza, that's what we learn from our family. If our family was eating it, it makes a ton of sense that we're going to learn to eat that food the same way our family did. We're going to get sick with the same disease. This is an issue of the food that we consume 99% of the time. Okay. So, and again, this is type two diabetes. We're talking about not type one diabetes. So Today, we are talking about the lies we tell ourselves. Again, if you're not following me on social media, look me up, Delane MD, on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, the I put this out to everybody in the beginning of the week. I was like, I have two topics I'm considering. What do you guys want to hear? And overwhelmingly, the response that I got via emails, via messages, and via posts on the, you know, what I put out on uh, Facebook and, so, and Instagram was that they wanted to hear about, you guys wanted to hear about lies that we tell ourselves. So we're going to dig into that. And then next week I will go into kind of this victimization or this victim-y mentality that we have that keeps us stuck. These are both things that keep us stuck, period, end of sentence. They are the obstacles that we believe and they keep us unable to make the changes that we want to make. So let's dig in a little bit. So um, these, these stories, these lies that we tell ourselves, you may be aware. So if you are telling, and it, you have to slow down and get aware in the moment that you're making a decision that doesn't support your greater goal, okay? So in the moment when you're at work, and somebody brought the donuts and you're looking at them. That's the part where I need you to slow down. It's okay if you eat the donut. It's okay if you don't eat the donut. And yes, I am a diabetes coach and a physician. And I'm telling you that the donut is not right or wrong. The donut's just a donut, guys. It's literally an inanimate object that we give so much power. And the reason that we give so much power is because of the stories that we tell ourselves, okay? So in the moment, these stories sound like, um, I'll start again tomorrow. I'll try it again tomorrow. Today's not the day. I'm going to start this tomorrow. Or one bite isn't so bad. Or I'm not going to stop wanting this food until I just eat it. Or um, eating this will help my feeling, stress, overwhelm, sadness, loneliness, blah, 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 whatever it is, right? My boredom, that was mine. That's what always led me to the M&Ms was I had to sit and do a task on the computer that I quote unquote found boring. God forbid, and I dealt with just a little bit of boredom. So I need to be entertained at the expense of my health. 
that was the end of that sentence that I didn't give myself. Okay. The lie I told myself was I couldn't stand the boredom. The lie we're telling ourselves is I will start again tomorrow. The lie we tell ourselves is the food isn't so bad. This one bite isn't a problem. It'll be fine. The lie we tell ourselves is this will help. Okay. Think about what it is in the moment that you're telling yourself. And then think about the feeling that comes along with it. For me, what I realized is that once I saw that the story was a problem, the story, I can't handle the boredom and this will be okay. This will help. That was kind of always the part of it, right? Like this is going to help. I knew damn good and well, it wasn't going to help. The M&Ms were not going to help me do anything. They may give me a instant gratification and it's not really the gratification. I mean, like, yes, it is partly the gratification of the food and the dopamine and the taste and all of this, but it's also, if I think about the food, then I have to fight the desire for the food. This is what we're going to go into on Monday, right? I have to fight the desire for the food. And if I just eat the food, I can let go of the fight and that's okay. The lie we tell ourselves is that's okay. That's the part that keeps us stuck, okay? The dopamine release is gonna happen. We had a conversation about this in group um, a couple of weeks ago in my group meeting. Like the dopamine is gonna happen no matter what you eat. So for some people, the dopamine happens with chocolate. I'm that people. For some people, the dopamine happens with like salty stuff and savory stuff, right? Rolls and biscuits and breads, right? I'm, I'm not that people, but some people are, right? But I want to offer for some people that dopamine response, that same dopamine response, probably less intense, but it is the same pathway in our brain happens with cocaine and heroin and cigarettes and alcohol. Okay. The neurochemistry happens no matter what, but lots of us are not reaching for cigarettes most of us aren't reaching for cocaine and heroin. I would never, um, I always jokingly say, I would never choose a hot tamale. Like there is nothing that would ever make a hot tamale appealing to me. They just do not, they're not my thing. I don't do hot tamales. So, but the chocolate is very appealing. The dopamine response of the hot tamale or the chocolate's the same. It's not the dopamine response that's driving my behavior. It's a story I'm telling myself about how much I love the chocolate and what it does for me. The lie I tell myself about chocolate, right? And the reason, here's the deal. The reason that we know that these are lies, like that they're not truths and thought error is probably more gracious, but really like the feeling that I get, and I do it now with my schedule. I don't do it so much with food anymore. Like I don't, I'm honest with myself. I'm like, girl, you're going to eat. I'm going to eat stuffing at Thanksgiving dinner on tomorrow. We're having Thanksgiving dinner, right? I'm going to eat stuffing and I'm probably going to get too full and I'm going to break out on a rash and I'm going to feel foggy and I'm going to feel crappy afterwards. That's true because that's going to happen as well as I'm going to enjoy the taste of the stuffing. The apple pie is going to be delicious and it's going to give me a rash and it's going to make me feel foggy in my head. And it's going to make me feel all dopey. Both of those things are going to happen. The lie is when I tell myself it's only going to feel amazing and there's not going to be any negative consequence. That's the lie. Okay. And the way that we know it is because 
the result that we get is not aligned with the story we tell ourselves, right? Like it's going to taste amazing. It's going to be so good. The result that you get is the blood sugars go up. The results I get with it anymore, my blood sugars don't usually go up, but sometimes they do because that's like biology. The result I get is I'm going to be foggy with it. It's not just going to taste amazing. I'm also going to feel really cruddy for a couple of days after I eat this food because I have proven myself no less than a thousand times that that's what happens. So if your story is I will start again tomorrow and tomorrow comes along and you're telling yourself the same damn story, that's a lie you are telling yourself because it doesn't happen. And that's how you know it's a lie. That's how you know you're bamboozling yourself, right? This food isn't so bad. That's another one, right? Just one bite won't be a problem, right? One bite in, you want more, you want more, you want more, because that's where your brain is wired to behave when we eat these highly, these calorie dense, these sugar dense, these carbohydrate dense foods, the foods that make us sick. We want more. We want more. We want more. That is how your brain responds to it. The story that it's not so bad allows you to eat more. The story that this bite isn't a problem makes you eat another bite and another bite and another bite because it's not a problem. The result is your blood sugar jumps high, your insulin resistance persists, and your diabetes continues. And that's how you know it's a lie because clearly the food is so bad. You just proved it. And chances are really good. You've proved it a million times before, right? Eating this food will help my stress, my overwhelm, my sadness, whatever it is. I love this one because it seems so true, guys. It seems so spot on. But what I want you to see, you eat the food, you get a dopamine buzz and life's fabulous for about, I don't know, 12, 24 minutes, right? Like somewhere in that time range. I don't know, maybe it lasts longer. And then the next day when it's time to measure your blood sugar and you're like, oh, hell, that's going to be bad. That's going to be bad news. I'm not going to like this. This is going to be awful. I made my sugars worse. I'm causing myself to be sick. I'm killing myself off early. All of those thoughts that come from the, this is going to help me stress. Those other thoughts create more stress. Fact of the matter. That is not true. Eating this food helps my stress is a thought error because what it results in is more stress about your health. Eating this food helps my overwhelm results in more overwhelm because of your illness, because of your doctor's appointments, because of your medications, because of your lab draws. For me, it was always like, this is going to help me concentrate, right? Because I couldn't handle the boredom, right? This is going to help me concentrate. But what I realized is every bite, every handful of M&Ms, every single one I got distracted me from what I was doing. And then I had to clean my fingertips off because they were sticky and I didn't want to get that on my keyboard. So that was a distraction. It did not help me concentrate. It did not make things go better or faster. It didn't help my boredom. It tore my concentration and that made me irritable, which of course I then wanted to eat away the irritability too, right? So here's what I want y'all to know. Coaching 101, guys, pay attention. If you're all shopping for shoes, come back to me, right? If you have a belief that an action is going to help the way you feel, you don't understand where your feelings come from. 
Our feelings come from the things that we believe, the things that we think, the places our mind goes. That is what creates the feeling that we have. And the way that you know this is you can do the same action in two different spaces of your life, right? So say I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a great example. I'm going to use running as an example. Say I am running for my training run because I'm doing this run here and come in the beginning in a couple of weeks, I'm going to Florida to do a run. So I am going out for my Saturday morning run that preps me, that trains me for the, the race that I'm doing in Florida. That Saturday morning run, move one foot in front of another, one foot in front of another, one foot in front of another is the action. My heart rate goes up to about 150s, 160s. That action creates that heart rate going up. I'm sweating, I'm panting, I'm working, right? That is an action that I'm doing. You could record that with all sorts of like, funny data, right? Like, or like funny uh, instruments. This watch on my arm records it all, right? It's all there. This happens. Everybody can see it. That's an action I'm doing. My thought about that action is very different when I'm doing a training versus when I'm doing the event. The event's going to be fun. There's going to, I'm going to be in Florida for God's sake. It's going to be lovely weather. It's going to be new scenery. It's trail running. My thoughts, my feeling in the event is going to be excited. Like, let's go. Woo -woo. I'm going to be stoked. I'm going to be so jazzed. I'll tell you, Saturday morning, same action, Kansas, 20 degrees. I am not jazzed. I'm not excited. I'm nothing good. I'm like trudging through it. It's hard. That's the feeling. It's hard. And my thought, it's not the action. The action is the same thing. My thought is, man, this is boring. Man, it's cold outside. Man, I wish I would slept in. All of those thoughts are what creates it being hard. Versus, oh my God, I'm in Florida. All new scenery. Look at how nice it is. I'm in shorts. It's December. Woo, woo. All of that creates excitement for me. That thought creates me feeling excited. Okay? So recognize the action is the same, and it's not what creates my feeling. Okay. The action of eating the food does not create your feeling. The feeling of goodness that comes when you eat the food that you have been telling yourself you have to resist eating, and then you eat it and you feel good, that comes from, I don't have to resist it anymore. I don't have to fight it anymore. I'm not arguing with myself anymore. There is a dopamine release that will make you feel good. Again, that is also subject to our perception because hot tamales don't make me feel good, guys. They're the same amount of carbohydrate, the same amount of sugar and a hot tamale that's in a Hershey's Kiss. But the Hershey's Kiss, I have thoughts about that make it the best in my head. Okay. The food does not manage your emotions. Your thoughts manage your emotions. The sooner we are able to let go of that belief, the sooner we're able to move past the obstacle it's been creating. So that is the strategy to these lies that we tell ourselves. First, I want you to understand there is an element of bamboo, like this is the feeling, 
I don't know any other feeling. I have put this out in social media groups. I have asked my clients and the best word that we can come up with for what it feels like when we tell ourselves a story that we know is a lie. Like, I know I'm not going to start again tomorrow. I've told myself that 17 times today. Like I told myself it's November 18th. And I've told myself every day I'll start tomorrow. Clearly that's a lie. If anybody else in the world told you something and didn't follow through that many times, you'd clearly know they were fibbers. They aren't telling you the truth. And you wouldn't have any qualms about calling them on that. You certainly wouldn't believe them. So you know in the moment when you're telling yourself these stories that you're bamboozling yourself. Bamboozled is the word that you will feel. And bamboozled define, it feels like you're being fooled or cheated. It feels confounded and complex. It doesn't make sense and you know it. If you're being wholly honest with yourself, it doesn't make sense and you know it. Giving So step one to remedying this to when you feel bamboozled and you're like, what am I bamboozled about? Oh, I'm bamboozled because I'm telling myself this food isn't so bad, but I have tons of evidence that this food really is so bad. Huh. What does that mean? Slow it down. Step number one, guys, slow it down. Slow it down. Your brain, as all toddlers will do, when your brain thinks it's not going to get the thing that it wants, it will go into panic mode. You'll get very anxious and you'll be like, just eat it quick before you talk yourself out of it. That was the story I used to tell myself. Eat it quick before you talk yourself out of it. Slow it down. Anytime you anytime you feel like you need to rush through something, slow it down. Give yourself permission to slow it down. At the end of slowing it down, if you still want the food, you're a grown-ass woman, you can have the food. But slow it down. Slow it down and ask yourself, is the story I'm telling myself about this food true? Will I start again tomorrow? Yesterday, today was tomorrow, and here I am telling myself the same damn story. Is the food really not so bad? Nope, I've had donuts before. They're clearly jumping my blood sugars to 300. They're clearly a problem. Eating this food will help me feel less stressed. Nope, I'm going to be stressed tomorrow morning when it goes when I go to check my fasting blood sugar. That isn't true. These are lies that I'm telling myself. I need to recognize what they are for what they are. So the feeling you're going to feel in the moment when you need to slow it down, guys, is you're going to feel bamboozled. You're going to feel like you're cheating, like you're fibbing, like you're fooling yourself, like you're lying, like you're getting away with something or you're gonna feel anxious, rushed, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Those two feelings means you need to take a deep breath and slow it down. And then give yourself permission to tell yourself the truth. It is the biggest gift you can give yourself. I'm not gonna start again tomorrow. I've proven that to myself a thousand times. I'm not gonna do that. This food really is that bad for me. But I know that I've checked my blood sugar after a donut enough times to know it. Eating this food will help my stress. No, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be more stressed. Clearly that's not true. Give yourself the gift of telling yourself the truth about the issue. And then from that space, decide which shit sandwich you want to eat. If you haven't ever heard me talk about this, my mother is so proud every time I bring this up, but we all are choosing a shit sandwich. Like, and what I mean by that is something that's not pleasant. We're all choosing something that we're not enjoying. 
If you eat the donut, the shit sandwich that you are choosing is that your blood sugars are going to go up and you're not going to reverse your diabetes and you're going to keep on the path that you are on that's making you sick. So hear me on that. Even if you choose the food that makes you sick, you choose the food that goes against your greater goal, in the moment you're telling yourself a lie that you're not having a bad, there's nothing bad, this is going to be the best, it's going to be so much, it's going to be the most. No. And you know it's not true. You know you're bamboozling yourself. You know you're fooling yourself. You know you're trying to get away with something. There is nothing to get away with here, guys. Your biology doesn't lie. Your biology does what biology does. Okay. So when you're eating the food and you're telling yourself this is going to be the most and it's going to be so great. Oh my God, I love this so much. No, that is not the entire truth. The entire truth is in this moment, I'm going to enjoy it. And then I'm going to suffer with the negative consequences of this single decision for a long time. That's the truth of the matter. In the moment, you tell yourself, oh, I'll start again tomorrow. So you can relieve yourself from the desire, right? Because that's the other side, right? The desire, the urge, the craving is the shit sandwich associated with not eating the food. You're going to have to sit and have your brain, the inner toddler, pitching a ginormous fit about how it wants a donut. And you're just going to have to sit with it and not comply with it be like, it's okay. You're going to be fine pitching a fit. You're going to be just okay. We're going to, we're going to work through this. I can handle this. I'm going to sit as the calm mother watching my 18 month old pitch a fit in the toy aisle because we're not getting toys. Not today. And I know that as a mother, it's the calm mother that allowing my 18 month old child to pitch a fit in the store means that this fit is going to be colossal and the next one is going to be less. And the next one is going to be less. And by the time my child's five, if I'm persistent with this, I'm going to have a well-behaved five-year-old. And I'm willing to exchange this discomfort right now for what I want in the future. That's the skill. That's what we work on. That's what coaching does, right, guys? You don't need me to tell you not to eat a donut. You know, that's causing your diabetes. You don't need me to give you a food thing. I mean, I can help you with what to eat. That's fine. But you don't need me to tell you don't eat this food because it's causing your type two diabetes. You know, what's causing your type two diabetes working through these stories, the lies we tell ourselves, that is where coaching is so helpful. You can do this Listen to my podcast, keep doing the work. You guys know I share story after story after story of people who are creating these results in their life by the podcast alone. You can totally do this. If you want the help, if you want to fast track it, if you want to be sure that you're getting the help that you need, invest in yourself. Sign up for the program. Six months, we do coaching twice a week at least, if not more. You're able to get as much help as you need to reverse your type two diabetes in that space. If that's what you want, that helps available to you. It's there. Send me an email, Delane at Delane MD. I'm happy to get you set up for a consult and get you set up to start the program, but recognize this is possible. It's just how much discomfort are we willing to sit in? Do we give ourselves permission to tell ourselves the damn 
truth. Like I'm not going to start again tomorrow. That's a bunch of crap. I've proven myself that a thousand times. So if I'm not going to start again tomorrow, do I just want to start again today? Such a powerful question. Give yourself permission to tell yourself the truth. Slow it down. Give yourself um, the opportunity to look at what else is true. Look at both sides of the story. Like you're only telling yourself one side of the story when you're eating the food that makes you sick. That food is literally poison to your body at this point, and you're continuing to eat it. There, you're not doing that because you're telling yourself the entire story. You're only telling yourself the story that the food's going to be the most and the amazing. So slow it down. Give yourself permission to tell yourself the story, the entire truth, and then give yourself both sides of the story. At the end of that, if you still want to eat the donut, eat the donut. That's fine. You've looked at the whole story there. But at the end of it, if you're like, oh, as my grandmother said, it's time to shit or get off the pot. Man, I guess I had to just do it today. I'm signing up for the hard stuff right here, right now, today. This version of the hard stuff. Because again, eating the donut has its own version of hard. You just aren't telling yourself that part of the story. All right, guys, if you are interested in a consult, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. Um, if you have any questions, send it to Delane at DelaneMD.com. You know, I'm happy to answer any question. If you have a success story, I'd love to hear it. So send that to me at Delane at DelaneMD.com. And I will be back next week. Bye.